Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. Just like I could never have imagined at 18 that I would be an Episcopal priest in Baltimore in my 40s, I certainly never thought um, that I would have a marriage that ended in divorce. They got married at Christmas time because they both loved poinsettias and they also knew that they could save some money because the church would be full of them. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I'm Jessica Hankin. And this week on the podcast, not a Hallmark holiday, two tales that get at the challenges of trying to at least keep Christmas. So this first storyteller, um, Ariane Rice, has, has shared some other stories at the Stoop. She is a reverend. Is that the correct religious uh, title? She's actually an Episcopal priest. Oh, Episcopal priest. Yeah. Okay. I've never um, understood, like, pastor versus reverend versus priest, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, well, count your blessings. <laughs> <laughs> um, in any case, she's a wonderful storyteller, and I we think you'll really enjoy this tale from her. I love Christmas. Um, first of all, it's the reason I have a job. Uh I am an Episcopal priest. Um, I tend to wear clothes with a much higher neckline during the course of the week. Um, But I love Christmas, and it really grounds everything that I do for a living. And I really especially love the worship that we do at Christmas time, and in particular on Christmas Eve. It is one of the most beautiful days of the church year. Uh, A group of parishioners get together, a very dedicated and faithful group, um, a few days before Christmas Eve and do what's called a greening of the church. And um, they put beautiful arrangements of flowers everywhere on the altar, poinsettias um, abound. They take candles and hurricane lamps and put them in every single alcove underneath every stained glass window, and it's covered with greenery. On Christmas Eve, we sing beautiful Christmas carols and familiar hymns. And of course, at least at one service, we do a traditional Christmas pageant where you have these adorable little children dressed up as sheep and shepherds and sometimes a camel. Sometimes you have a baby doll that's plastic. Sometimes you have a real baby doll and wise men and angels. And they tell an entirely chronologically inaccurate account of the story of Jesus's birth, but nobody cares because they are just a joy to behold. But on Christmas Eve 2013, I was feeling anything but joy. I was tired. I was very pissed off at God. And I didn't really feel like I was wearing um, vestments or my clericals. I felt like I was in a costume and just a total fake because I didn't know how much longer I could bear telling a story I just didn't believe in anymore. Um, Back in October of that year, my then-husband and I had decided to get divorced. Uh, We had been together for over 20 years. We had been married almost two decades. Um, I met him when I was 18 years old on day two of college and said, I'm going to lock this down and just get that rest of my future planned out. So that's the guy I'm going to be with. 
And um, just like I could never have imagined at 18 that I would be an Episcopal priest in Baltimore in my 40s, I certainly never thought um, that I would have a marriage that ended in divorce. I don't know um, if divorce is harder for a priest. Divorce is hard, (laughs) as I'm sure some of you know. Um, I don't know if it's harder for someone like me. But when you, you know, stand in front of people every week and pronounce absolution and forgiveness of their sins, you kind of feel like the bar set a little bit higher for you. Um, And I was also, by the way, raised Roman Catholic. So like the guilt and shame around divorce were really deep. And I just felt like I was letting everybody down. I live across the street from my church in a house that's called a rectory. And when a congregation calls a priest to be their rector and live in their rectory, they kind of expect an intact family uh, to be there. And um, I was pretty sure that was one of my selling points in the interview process. I had a nice husband. I had a beautiful little girl. And, you know, we'd been married a long time. So good wife, good mom. She'll be a good pastor to us. So I felt like I was kind of reneging on my part of the deal. And when you cross the street every day to go to work, uh, it makes for a really awesome commute, especially on Sunday mornings. Um, But it also makes for a strangely small world. And so I was living in this one church house with my family that was um, depressingly disintegrating. We were in separate bedrooms and not telling um, the truth to our daughter. And then I would cross the street and be in my other church house with this other family um, that I wanted to take care of and that I loved, but I was totally lying to about what was happening. And I just felt like I was such a failure that I couldn't possibly tell them and most definitely could not tell them during the holidays. So at this Christmas Eve service, we do multiple services on Christmas Eve, and that year we did three. And leading worship is an exhilarating experience, but it is also really draining. You just feel like you're really on, and Christmas Eve, you're just packed like you aren't during the rest of the year, except, of course, Easter. And... um, So at the end of this service, I was just wiped. I remember tripping up in the prayers even. I just, I had nothing left. And so at the end of our Christmas Eve services, uh, we always close by singing Silent Night. um, But we don't just sing it. Everybody is given a taper candle. And um, we dim all the lights in the church. And uh, the acolyte comes up to the high altar and lights their taper. And then they go and... They light um, someone in the choir, and then the choir person lights somebody else, and so on and so on. And so the light of Christ is shared throughout the congregation, and it's very quiet and reverent. And then the organ starts to play, and everybody's invited to kneel. And in order for the priest to kneel, um, I have to turn away from the congregation to kneel at the high altar but you've spent the whole day facing them like this and leading them in worship. But finally, you get to turn and um, face away and kind of have a moment to yourself and join with the people. And so the music started playing, and I knelt down and 
pretty much right in, just completely lost it. Um, Tears streaming down my face and then immediately started saying in my head, God, you really fucking suck. I am just so pissed off at the situation I find myself in. I can't do this. I was in advertising. Why couldn't I have gotten divorced back then? That would have been no problem. Nobody would have cared. I fucking met my husband at 18. Like, how the hell do I date? Like, who, how do you date when you're a priest? Like, I don't even know if that's allowed. How does this work? I was just like, I, and I can't do this. I can't live this way anymore, and I just don't want to be fake. I can't live into all this nonsense and bullshit. And so, of course, because whenever I mouth off at God, like the response is instantaneous. Um, I just hear the voice back saying, like, good, because uh, I don't really want bullshit. And um, I didn't bust into this world uh, to become a perfect person or a perfect priest, definitely not a priest. Um, I just wanted to be a human being. And um, I just want you to know, as a human being, that I am always and will always be with you. And um, then uh, just the awareness that, you know, uh, keep going. Just keep going. And... Um, it was a really, really challenging year that I did keep going, but um, ever since that moment, I realized that the only kind of priest I want to be is a person who stands with other people when their lives really suck or when they're not, um, to let them know that God will always be with them too. So um, wherever you are this holiday season, um, God loves you, and um, if you want to sing Silent Night or watch adorable children, and you're in the mood for a Christmas Eve kind of worship service, uh, you're more than welcome at Church of the Good Shepherd right around the corner in Towson. Thanks, and happy holidays. I uh, have had the pleasure of actually going to the service that she describes in the story. I um, went um, the following year, and it is uh, it's she just really does a beautiful job of uh, creating space for those who believe and and those who just you know want to have the ritual of of the experience of going to um, church and um, what I really love about the story is just how real she is. I mean, she's an Episcopal priest. She's using the F word, <laughs> and uh, you know she has a, a real Brene Brown energy even in her. Um, the sermons that she gives. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, she she's wonderful. We'll be right back for the second story. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. So this next story is from Beth Frederick, who works in public health and has shared, been a longtime fan, really a loyal, loyal um, fan of storytelling. And she is a terrific storyteller herself. This tale um, is set at a particular Christmas with her family on the farm where they grew up. My family is crazy about Christmas. In 1936, my mother was born on Christmas Eve, and her parents wisely put their heads together and named her Carol. 
She and my dad met in high school when he came from the one-room one schoolhouse near the farm into the big town of Milton, Wisconsin, population 4,000, where he sat behind my mother and fell in love with her braids. They dated through high school. He went off to college. She fell, followed the next year. They dated all through college. And at the end of his term, they were, uh, they were married. And they got married, uh, you can guess it, at Christmas time, because they both loved poinsettias, and they also knew that they could save some money because the church would be full of them. They deliberately chose to become dairy farmers, very crazy people, and they soon had four children. I was the oldest, then came Cindy, then came Mike, then came Michelle. In 1976, I was 17 years old, a senior in high school at the same high school that they went to, where they met. That year was, was uh, characterized by a number of things. In the summer of that year, there was a, a severe drought in the world, actually, but very much so in Wisconsin. Winter was characterized by 10-foot snowbanks. And when the, the manure came out of the cows, it froze before it hit the ground. About a month before Christmas, uh, wait, I want to back up for a second. My mom made all of our Christmas gifts, every single one, by hand. From cowboy outfits to doctor's kits to the Christmas stockings. My father's mother, Grammy, lived with us, and she made sure that we had the best Christmas cookies and perfectly cut out every single year. So back to 1976, uh, we were getting ready for Christmas. We kids really loved Christmas. And I, and they asked my dad one day, about a month out, when are we going to get the Christmas tree? And he looked at us seriously and said, we're not having a Christmas tree this year. So we thought, okay, the guy's joking. He really didn't, he, he joked a lot, so we thought that was, was in, in character, but he really didn't talk to us that much. He told us what to do, how to do it, and he gave us the values by which to live, and that was about it. So the second week, the next week goes by, and we ask my dad again, when are we going to get the Christmas tree? We're going to have a Christmas tree, right? And he said, no, I told you, we're not going to get a tr Christmas tree. We don't have, we don't have the money. We, the, the drought ruined all the trees in the back of the farm to cut down. We're not having a Christmas tree. So we thought maybe one more time we'd ask him. And he again said no. So I want to paint a picture of me at 17. I was the most responsible teenager you could ever imagine. So responsible that the principal of my high school gave me a key to the front door because I was the editor of the yearbook and the student council president, and I was always there late or always there early working, and they, they got tired of letting me in and out. So it's the Friday before Christmas, and I knew that the high school choir had their final concert. And on the stage would be two live Christmas trees on either side. So I hatched a plan put the other kids in the car, drove up to the high school after the concert, used my key, went in, 
plucked a tree, Cindy and I plucked a tree off the stage while Michelle and Mike talked to the janitors who were cleaning up. We took the, key, the, the tree, put it in the trunk, drove home, and hid it to surprise my parents, especially my dad. So if you're a dairy farmer, you typically have two breakfasts. The first is at 5.30 in the morning before you milk the cows, and the second is usually around 9.30, 10. So when my dad drove in the next morning to the squeeze in, uh, in town to have second breakfast. By that time, everybody in town knew that Jerry Frederick couldn't afford a Christmas tree. So you can imagine he came home and he was pretty mad that we had been so bold as to take the Christmas tree out of the high school and that he was ashamed of, of that fact. But pretty much a little bit later, he came around and he, was, and he thought it was really funny. We decorated the, the tree, and, and Christmas was saved, I guess. And for years, we told this story, and it was funny. Everybody told it exactly the same way, and it was a really, really funny story. A couple of years ago, after I'd told one Stoop story before, I started thinking about my story, the stories that my family told. And they did it to make sense of, of crazy things, right? Because that story doesn't really make sense. I started thinking about it, because my father was a very generous man. That year, there was a drought. There was no money from crops at all. There was nothing to feed the cows. It was a terrible year. My mother took a school bus driving job, and she was on the brink of chronic diabetes, so when she wasn't driving bus, she was asleep. My grandmother, his mother, was diagnosed with dementia and was about to go into a nursing home. And I had dreams of going to college, and there wasn't a cent to send me. There was no way that I was going to be able to be supported by my parents. In this story, he's 41 years old. He had the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he couldn't tell us anything about it. So now I look back on, on that, and I just can't imagine how callous we were. And I guess he was grateful in the end. I hope anyway. My husband and I, I'm going to finish with this, my husband and I have our own tradition for, for Christmas. We put up our Christmas tree, and during the year we buy ornaments for people who have passed, people who have left, left us. And then when we decorate the, the tree every year, we put the ornament on, and we meditate on the people we've missed and what they meant in our lives. So last Sunday, we put up our tree... I put up my father's ornament. I looked him, I looked at it, and I said, Dad, please forgive me. I really had no idea. I love how well-intended she, I just, God, and just how. It's got a gift of the magic. Yeah, kind absolutely, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful story. So we hope you like the stories on on this week's episode. Not a Hallmark holiday, which is actually my favorite kind of holiday, since <laughs> well, I wouldn't even know, recognize a Hallmark holiday if it came up and punched me in the face. But 
Thanks for listening, and we will be back uh, with more stories from The Stoop. Until then, thank you to Maureen Harvey for producing, and please visit stoopstorytelling.com to check out our live events and previous stories, and you can find us on social media at Stoop Storytelling. Happy holidays, and thanks for listening. And raise my voice.